Good morning. Man, it's so good to be here this morning. It makes such a difference just to, to realize that Jesus Christ is alive. I mean, Dale's testimony is, is so true for us, isn't it? The fact that he's alive and we can know it and know that regardless of what we go through and know that regardless of what we suffer or what we face and even the thought about death, I, the fact that Christ is alive changes everything. And man, it's, it's shocking to me sometimes kind of how casual we get about that. You know, if you're, if you're a believer... Uh, I promise you, you have times where you're pretty casual about the fact that Christ is alive and the difference that He's made in your life. Matter of fact, it's amazing to me how casual we get as a church sometimes about the fact that Christ is alive. I mean, we know Him, right? If you're born again this morning, you know Him. You know where your destiny is. You know where your comfort is. You know where your hope is. You know where your security is. You know where your protection is. I mean, you know Christ. You know that He's everything that you need and Man, what a difference that is. But, but like Brian said, there are 250 million people in the U.S. alone that don't have that. Man, your family members don't have that. Your neighbors don't have that. In Casper, it's over 90% are lost. So far more of the people that we come in contact with every day don't have that than do. Far, far, far more. It's not normal. It's not average. It's not ordinary. It is extraordinary the number of people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And yet, man, we struggle sometimes, right? I mean, talking about just giving to support missions. You know, last year we gave $13,000 as a church. Now that's a lot of money. But that's, that's a drop in the bucket for the need to reach our world. And we're taking this offering this month for for all around the world, for international missions, to support our missionaries that work through the International Mission Board. We're supporting North American missions for the missionaries that work right here in North America, and we're supporting missions right here in Wyoming. We've combined it all together, and, and so far we've given $125. And i got to tell you, I, maybe we didn't prepare the way we should have, but if you think that doesn't break my heart, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Because, let's just be honest, that has a huge reflection on what we understand about the lostness of our nation. It just does. And there's, there's so many things right now that God has brought before us as individuals and brought before us as a church that that are basically tests just to be really blunt about it, tests about our hearts tests about what we love tests about our priorities tests about our understanding tests about our knowledge of our call as individuals and as a church tests that are going to display who we really are in our relationship with Jesus. And honestly, an offering is a pretty good litmus test, if you will, about somebody's heart. The Bible tells us that where your treasures are, there will your heart be also. So I'm not making it up, all right? It's not just pastor getting up here, 
you're running off the head, you know. It's true. And the, the great thing about an offering is that those of us that are saved ought to look at an offering with great anticipation. Right? Great anticipation. Not great dread, <laughs> like most of us do. Oh, no. They're asking for more money. Listen, if that's your attitude, then hear me very clearly. Please keep your money. I'd rather have a $125 offering from pure hearts than people that give out of selfishness or obligation. So, really, I mean that. But if you know better, and if you're struggling to get your heart right, you know, don't just look at the offering. Recognize that there's a greater need. And that is to have a heart that just beats with the passion and the compassion and the love and the purpose of God. Because if you're a believer, that's what you ought to have. A heart that beats with the heart of God. And I promise you, Jesus Christ today wants to see Casper saved. And He wants to see Wyoming saved. He wants to see the United States saved. And He wants to see the world saved. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Man, we have an opportunity to walk with Jesus, whether it be in giving or whether it be as a church in impacting this world. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning. I want to turn, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to talk about all for the sake of the gospel. And, you know, I was telling Jason this morning what I was planning on preaching on this morning. And I said, you know, it's a pretty simple passage. It's one that if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard. If you haven't, you probably will. But I told him, and he agreed, that while it's simple, there's nothing really easy about it. Because the truth is, as we read Scripture sometimes, is that it is so shocking to us that if we really had that attitude, that literally everything about our life would have to change. And this is just another one of those passages of Scripture where God is saying to us, everything about our life ought to change. Everything about the way we see the world, everything about the way we live in the world, everything about our purpose in the world, it ought to change. Because if it doesn't change, then we're literally not just following Christ. It's just that simple. It's... No sense in trying to make you feel worse than you do or whatever. It's none of that manipulation stuff. It's just reality. That God gives us a picture of what our hearts ought to be, in particular as His church, but also as individuals. Now, honestly, I don't think we get it. Because as we read this passage of Scripture, you're going to realize very quickly that, that, man, that's not what we're doing. We're doing it maybe in some areas, but we're not doing it in everything that we do. And so I want you to listen to the Word of God this morning. I really want you to hear what the heart of God is here. And then I want you to pray for you, but I also want you to pray for College Heights. Because there are huge challenges before us. Huge challenges before us. And it's not money, just so you know. It's not building a building, just so you know. It's not about comfort, just so you know. It really has nothing about any of those things. It has everything about being what God wants us to be as His body. 
That's the challenge. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of grace, so that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You this morning that Your Word continually reveals to us Your heart and Your desire and Your purpose for us as individuals, but also for us as a church. And Lord, it's it's really easy to sometimes be overwhelmed by our circumstances or our fears or our comforts, or our pleasures, or our desires, whatever we might put in there. It's easy to get overwhelmed, Lord, with our own lives and just kind of fall away from the sweet, beautiful call of God in our lives as Your body. And Father, as we look this morning at this very simple passage, I ask that You would be gracious to speak to us. I ask that You would call us back. Call us back to a place where we would live for You first. And where we would give our lives away for others, Lord, because of Your love. Father, make us a church that not only knows we should win this world, but delights in winning this world for Christ. May you be exalted as we respond to your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now this is, like I said, it's a pretty simple passage of Scripture. If you go back to the beginning of chapter 9, Paul is dealing with his rights as an apostle, as a servant of God, and dealing with his freedoms as a servant of God. Uh, throughout the letter of 1 Corinthians, he has to kind of defend himself against some, some bad information about him coming out of the Corinthian church. And honestly, they have treated him pretty poorly. I mean, here's the man that God used to, to win many of them to Christ and to establish the church at Corinth, and yet many of them treat him very poorly and dishonor him in a lot of ways. And, and basically, if you go back in, in verse 2, he, he says, If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship. And so he's, he's saying, look, man, you, I'm an apostle. You know I am. God used me to establish this church. He says, do I not have the right to, to uh, eat and to drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife? Um, only Verse 6, or do only Barnabas and I not have the right to refrain from working? And et cetera, et cetera. And he goes on to talk about the fact that you know, he has the right to even be supported by the church as he is sharing the gospel. And he even talks in verse 14 that God says that those who would make would share the gospel have the right to make their living from the gospel. And so he's talking about his rights. I have the right to do some things. I have the right to have some things. I have the right to expect some things because of what God has done in my life. 
But then you get down to verse 15, and he basically says, but I've not really exercised those rights. I've never really asked anybody to pay me for my service in the ministry because I don't want anybody to accuse me of serving for the wrong motives. And, and so he's talking about not only for his rights, but the freedoms that he has in Christ to serve with a willing heart. But then he comes down to verse 19, and he transitions into his passion. He transitions into his purpose. I mean, he transitions into basically what made the Apostle Paul get up in the morning and what drove him day in and day out. And, and there's no doubt about it that this is the heart of God that not only should beat in the heart of an apostle like Paul, but should beat in the heart of his people like you and me. And I love how he begins this passage of Scripture. It's not so much easy, but it is powerful. He says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I may win more. Now, maybe that doesn't sound like any big deal to you, but I don't know the last time I made myself a slave to anyone, seemingly. Right? Here's the Apostle Paul. He's saying, look, I have these rights to serve, but I have these freedoms to serve. But I want you to know that in all of this, the thing that really matters to me is not whether I claim my rights or not whether you acknowledge my rights, not whether I have these freedoms to serve without charging anybody anything. He says the thing that really matters to me is that I might win more. He says so clearly, for though I am free from all men, I don't owe anybody anything. Matter of fact, after saying he's never taking anything, taken anything from anybody, he literally is basically saying to them, I don't owe any of you Corinthians anything. None of you have ever supported me financially. None of you have ever done anything for me that would cause me to be obliged to you. None of you have ever done anything that would sway me. No one's holding anything over my head. No one controls me. I'm free from all men. I don't owe anybody anything. But I still have done this. I have made myself a slave to all men. I have decided, because of who Christ Jesus is in me, that I'm going to be the servant of all. I'm going to be the one that's obligated to all. I'm going to be the one that sees everybody else as more important than myself. I'm going to be the one that goes into this world to serve those who are needy and broken and lost. It's an incredible thought. He's not living for himself in any way. Slaves had no rights whatsoever. They didn't own anything. They didn't make up their mind about anything. They didn't have any rights whatsoever. They were purely property at the beck and call of their master. And he said, I have willingly chosen to be a slave to all men. Why? That I might win more. Paul says, listen men, the heartbeat of God that has come into me through not only my salvation, but my calling in Christ Jesus is to win more. 
I want to win the world for Jesus Christ because the world is lost. The world is dying. The world is hopeless. And Paul understood what that meant. He did. He didn't know it before he was saved, right? He didn't know he was lost. He didn't know he was separated from God. He didn't know that he owed God this sin debt before him. He thought he was a pretty good fella. For sure you can read that in Philippians chapter 3. But Paul, when confronted with the resurrected Jesus Christ, was immediately aware of just how sinful and lost he was and terrified, fell to the ground as the voice from heaven said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus Christ whom you persecute. And the Apostle Paul, from that day forward, was called by God to go into this world and win the lost. And he did it with great fervor. Because he understood that the lost needed someone. They needed someone to go tell them about Jesus Christ. They needed someone to take the gospel into this world. They needed someone to serve them, even though they would have told everybody else they were fine. You know anybody like that? Anybody like that would tell you they're just fine. They don't need your help. They don't need the gospel. They certainly don't need Jesus Christ. They're just fine. Leave me alone. That is the American mantra today, isn't it not? Is it not? We're just fine. Look at us. We got all kinds of money. We got all kinds of time. We got all kinds of toys. Man, we got everything we want in this world. Why would we need Jesus? Well, the truth is, is that whether they've got all the toys in the world and all the money flowing around and all the ease and all the comfort and all the time, all the blessings, they're lost and they're dying and they're under condemnation from God. And Paul said, I've chosen to be their slave, those that are lost. And I'll be honest with you, College Heights, as a church, has been called to be a slave to the lost in our city. Do you get that? I mean, do you understand that? Because let's be honest, that's not necessarily how we operate as a church today. It's just not. Some levels we do, but for the most part, when we talk about operating as a church, we talk about how to have things for ourselves, how to accomplish things for ourselves how to do things that are going to make us comfortable, and certainly how to avoid any sort of deep sacrifices and any sort of giving and any sort of service. How do we get away with the very least we can possibly get away with and still find some peace in our conscience? Isn't that the way we live? And please, don't say we don't. Because we do. There's no way around it. There's no sense sugarcoating it. It's true of me just as much as it's true of you. We don't even consider being a slave. Because we have rights, you know. We have a life, you know. God surely wouldn't ask of us anything beyond that which what we want to give. God would never ask of us to change anything for anybody else or to give anything for anybody else or to share for the good of anybody else or to 
change the purpose of our lives for anybody else. God understands. We've got a life to live, and He's got to fit in our context. Doesn't He? Isn't that the way we live? God's got to fit in our context. And if He doesn't, well, you know, sorry about your luck, Lord. Sorry about your luck. Man, one of the calls of God in our life is not just to be His slave and serve Him, but to be slaves for the purpose of winning others. And that call is on your life if you're a believer. Your life. And my life. Don't look around as if it's on somebody else's life. Your life. Every person that raised a hand this morning that said, I know somebody who's lost, that calls in your life. You're the one to reach them. You're the one to share. That we might win, and I love this, that we might win more. I've already won some, Paul said, but I'm not done yet. I want to win more. I would hate to hear how many people claim to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and are part of college heights who have never won somebody to Christ. I'd hate to hear it. I don't want to know. Because I promise you the numbers would far outweigh those who have. And there's no excuse for that. No excuse. Zero excuses. You have no excuse. Why haven't led somebody to Christ? None. Because if you begin to pray about it, I promise you, God will lead you and God will enable you and you'll begin to share the gospel. And sooner or later, by the power of God, not your power or your wisdom, you will win someone to Jesus Christ. You will. So he goes on. All right, so I'm going to be a slave. He says, I've chosen to be a slave even though I don't have to be. So I might win more. And he says, this is how I'm going to win more. To the Jews, I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law. Though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. He begins by saying here, the first thing I do is, is I become a Jew to the Jews. Now that's interesting because he's Jewish, right? Paul didn't have to become a Jew in the flesh. He was Jewish. But that's not what he was talking about. What he was saying was, when I'm around Jewish people who have God's law in their lives, I understand the context that I'm in, and so I relate to them as those who have the law of God. I understand their customs, I understand their traditions, I understand why they do what they do, and I become as a Jewish man to them, even though I'm free from the law. And that's what he says, I'm not under the law anymore. I've been set free from the law, Christ fulfilled the law in me. I can live in grace today. But he says, that's not the point. I so desire to win the Jews that when I'm with them, I want to live like them that I might win them. Do you you begin to hear kind of what it means to be a slave as we talk about this? To be a slave means to give up our rights to our personal desires and our personal comforts for the good of somebody else. Man, after Paul had been set free from all those laws that he couldn't keep, the last thing he wanted to do was go back and experience some of that stifling legalism 
that he had been set free from. And yet he said, look, if I've got to respect the way they live and the way they respond to God, I'm going to do that because it's not about me. It's about them. And so I'm going to treat them with as much respect and insight and share the gospel with as much respect and insight in their context as I possibly can that I might win them. You know, nothing has ever frustrated me more than when we step outside the U.S. onto foreign soil and rather than considering the nation that we are in and the people where we live, we begin to tell them how we do it back home in the U.S., where we do it right, you know. And surely we're more godly than you are. And surely we have more insight than you have. And surely we know how to reach your nation better than you know how to reach your nation. So listen up and do it our way. And we certainly do that. We sometimes do it knowingly. Sometimes we do it unknowingly. But let me just tell you how effective that is. It's not. <laughs> it's not effective. I mean, the first time I set foot off a plane in Africa and I was the minority and an extreme minority. Extreme. I remember walking through a grocery store with just Beth and I and we're the only white people in the grocery store and it seems like everywhere we go, we're in the way because, you know, we drive down the right side of the road. But in Botswana, they drive down the left side of the road. So when I'm going down the right side of the aisle in the grocery store, they're coming at me on the left side of the aisle, and I'm in the way. And I finally, by the grace of God, realize I'm offending every single person in the store and just get over to the left side. And it was better. But I'll never forget what's going through my mind. How am I supposed to reach these people? How am I supposed to have a context with these people? And the only way I could have a context with these people was to spend time with the people that knew Botswana and do ministry the way that needed to be done in Botswana. That was true in Zambia. That was true in Bulgaria. That was true in Congo. And that's true of everything we do today. Paul said, it doesn't matter what is required of me. If I need to act like a Jew and think like a Jew in their context, to win them, I'll win them. He goes on and says to those, verse 21, to those who are without the law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. Now he switches over to the Gentiles. He says, look, man, if I have to be among those that don't have the law, who don't have the, the law of Moses, who don't have the moral compass that God has given them, if I have to be among them, and live like they have without the law, then I need to have that context with me. He says, and he qualifies this one as well, though I'm not without the law of God, but with the law of Christ. Paul says, look, I'm not making myself a sinner to reach these people. He says, I still live under the leadership and the guidance of Jesus Christ, who fulfilled the law in me and gives me direction. He's not talking about going out and living like a pagan, like some people tell you today. And I get really tired of believers to say if we're going to reach the lost generation today, we've got to learn how to cuss and smoke cigars and drink and live just like they do. Just in case you're not sure how I feel about that, I can't think of anything that I would consider to be more offensive to God than that. That we would compromise integrity 
for the sake of reaching a lost world. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about understanding that they don't have those laws of God, at least in their hearts or their minds. They've never been taught them. If we're going to reach a lost world that doesn't know anything about the Word of God, we've got to begin to share with them in ways that they can relate to. Now, there used to be a day in my ministry many, many, many years ago where I'd go to see somebody. Maybe I've never met them before, and I've even, I even know that they were lost, but I would always have kind of a starting place with them. They would know something about the Word of God. But nowadays, that's not true. Nowadays, when I begin to witness to somebody, I don't just start with, well, Jesus died and rose again. I start with why you are a sinner. I start with how that happened. I go all the way back to Adam and Eve and talk about what happened that separated us from God and how that sin has infested this world and how because of all that back there, how through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin because we have all sinned. You see, there's a different context you have to have if you're going to reach a world that doesn't know anything about the Word of God. You've got to begin to build the truth in them step by step, foundation by foundation. And Paul said, listen, man, I'm going to make myself a slave to them wherever they are. Even if they're just without the law, I'm going to do that, that they might be saved. But you know, most of us, especially if you've grown up long enough and been inside the cocoon of the church long enough or been inside the cocoon of your own piousness, your own hard-heartedness, the safety of the, the barriers that we've put up so that the world would not touch us, but more importantly, so that we would not touch the world. Most of us that have lived inside that cocoon, we find the lost world so offensive, we don't want to have anything to do with them. That's offensive. That's incredibly offensive. Because we're not called to shut ourselves off from the world so that we would have no influence on them. We are called to go into this world and impact the world with the gospel. It's all for the sake of the gospel. Whether they be those that have some idea of God's Word or whether they be completely lost and devoid of knowledge and just as wretched as can be, we're called to win them. And then he says, to the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. And that's pretty simple. I mean, honestly, there are some people out in this world that they are so broken and weak and so just destroyed that when you begin to talk to them about God and you begin to talk to them about salvation, man, they don't know what to do. Sometimes they see Christians as these people that have all the answers and sometimes they see Christians as these people who look down their nose at them because we have a strength and a power about us that does not come from us, it comes from God. Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. But Paul says to the weak, those that don't have any strength, those that don't have anything that would move them toward God, no context, I've become weak like they are weak. And literally, Paul says, I have shown them the great need that I have in my life. 
for Jesus Christ so they would then see their need for Jesus Christ. You know, we kind of live in the world that says, suck it up, loser. Here's the truth. It's presented to you. Straightforward. Now what are you going to do about it? Because it's all in your court now. Listen, Paul said, that's not what I've done. I've seen the weak. And I've willingly showed them my weakness so that I might win the weak. So they might see the hope of Jesus Christ. And you want a great encouragement today within the body of Christ? Instead of looking down on those that can't do anything for themselves, why not remember back to the day when you couldn't do anything apart from Christ either? And you had to have the grace of the Lord draw you to Him and love you sweetly in all of your weaknesses and then love them where they are. And this passage is incredible to me because that's exactly what God did for us. Didn't He? It's exactly what God did for us. He didn't differentiate between His people Israel or us Gentile pagans. He didn't say, I think I'll send the gospel of Christ to the strong, but to the weak. He didn't reserve it for the white, or the black, or the rich, or the poor. Man, Jesus died for all. All of us. I'm so thankful for that. And Paul goes on, the last part of verse 22, he says, I have become all things to all men, so that by all means, so that I may by all means save some. So whatever it takes, I'll go anywhere, I'll be anything, I'll serve anyone, I'll do whatever it takes that by all means I may save some. Paul understood that his life counted. Do you understand that your life counts, believer? I mean, if you're a believer, your life counts. You don't live apart from others. Others influence you, but you influence others every day. You either influence them for the glory of God that they might know Him and be saved, or you influence them away from Jesus Christ. Man, what we do matters today. And Paul said, look, I'll become all things to all men, that by all means I may save some. Whatever it takes, I'm the slave. They're the ones that matter. Man, if you want to hear my heart for College Heights, that's it. That's my heart. That's my heart. Man, God has done incredible things at College Heights. We have things to celebrate that I would have never thought in all my life I would have been able to be a part of. But we are also at a place. We are at a crossroad again. Where we have to decide as a church, are we going to be all things to all men that we might by all means save some? Or are we going to draw back and go, oh no. Man, we've, we've become some things to some men. We might save some. But we don't, we don't want to become all things to all men. That by all means we might save some. Because to become all things to all men, we've got to change. Do you see it? I mean, do you see it? We've got to change. We've got to continually give ourselves away 
We've got to continually sacrifice more. We've got to continually go more. We've got to continually step up and walk by faith. We don't get to stop. Never. We're never going to get to stop. Oh, well, there will be a rest. (laughs) But we've got to die before we get that rest. You see, man, it has nothing to do with all the things that we worry about. We don't have to worry about money. And we don't have to worry about how we're going to build a new worship center. We don't have to worry about how we're going to keep doing missions. We don't have to worry about how we're going to continue to do benevolence. We don't have to worry about how we're going to continue to do ministries that cost money and take time. That's not the worry. The thing that we ought to be most worried about is our heart. Are we going to love ourselves? Or are we going to love Jesus Christ? And in response to our love for Jesus Christ, take this glorious gospel we have into a world that needs it. Because in verse 23, he said, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. That's what we ought to be about. We're teaching Sunday school. We do it for the sake of the gospel. We're up for singing. By the way, praise team, man, thank you. Thanks for singing when Nick wasn't able to be here. Appreciate that. But it's not about being professional anyway, right? It's for the sake of the gospel. Man, if we're going to have an end of the Jordan banquet, it ought to be for the sake of the gospel. Awana, a sake, the sake of the gospel. Africa, for the sake of the gospel. Whatever we do, wherever we are, for the sake of the gospel. But it doesn't come without hope. He says, man, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. That's Paul's way of saying, listen, man, it's not as bad as you think. He says, whenever I give my life away for the sake of the gospel, I get to be a partaker of what happens when the gospel is shared. And when the gospel is shared, sinners are saved when the gospel is shared the broken are made whole when the gospel is saved those who are ruined are redeemed when the gospel is shared lives are transformed people are born again and every time that happens i get to be a part of it there is nothing that we'll ever do as an individual or as a church that will bring us more joy than seeing someone plucked out of the fire of hell and placed in the kingdom of God. <laughs> I got goosebumps up and down my arm because there's nothing better. So, especially you believers first, where's your heart at? Do you have a heart, not just for the lost, but a heart for Jesus Christ? And if you don't, then, all right, admit that. Just admit it before God. Don't rebel against the thought. Don't try to hang on to all your little things that keep you from responding. Admit it to God. Say, God, I don't. I've never shared the gospel with anybody. I've never loved you enough 
to share the gospel with anybody. I've used every excuse in the book why I don't, but Lord, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I've got to change. And Lord, I may not know how to change, but I'm willing. If you'll just lead me, Lord, I'll follow. Oh, it's a big prayer. It is. Ah, but it's a big opportunity. Right? It's a huge opportunity to see the power of God displayed in your life. Like probably you've been missing for far too long. And then if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, He came for you. That's His purpose. He came for you. The sinless Son of God willingly went to the cross and on the cross became your sin. Whatever sin you've ever committed, it was poured out on Jesus on the cross. And then God poured out all of His wrath on Christ. All the wrath that you and I deserve poured it all on Christ and Christ died and suffered for my sin and your sin. But because He was a sinless one, because He was the one and only qualified one to deal with sin and death, on the third day He rose again. And the Bible says that He was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection. Jesus Christ. And He alone is able to forgive you of your sins. He alone is able to restore you to a relationship with God. He alone. And if you don't know Him as Lord and Savior, man, His call to you today is trust me. Put your life in my hands and I'll save you and I'll forgive you and I'll make you whole. But you've got to trust Him. Listen, let's respond to the Lord this morning. Let's pray together. Father, I love you and thank you for your word and the beauty of it, the simplicity of it, and the power of it. Father, please forgive us as a body when we get our eyes on all the different things that, that some are good and some are insignificant, but they're not the best. Lord, the gospel is the thing that we are to focus on. The world needs Jesus Christ. And Father, if we're going to grow spiritually, we're always going to grow into people who will continue to share the gospel. And I ask that you'll help us be that church, Lord. But Father, of all the needs that we have today, the greatest need still is those who are here that don't know Christ as Savior. Lord, would you speak to their hearts today and draw them to Jesus I pray that even today would be the day of their salvation. May you be honored as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. God's speaking to you. Do business with him. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have questions, come meet with me down front or Jason, and we'll share Christ with you and answer your questions. Uh, if you need to repent of your sins, man, you can do it right where you sit, or you can come kneel before the Father down here at the front if you want to, but whatever you need to do, respond to him. Let's stand as we sing.